All right, here we go. I gotta put on my tinfoil hat. Actually, there's not much conspiracy theory in this. This is all pretty well happened. Like it's I know, right? Pretty documented at this point. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast with your hosts, Kurt and Dylan. And today we wanted to hop on and talk about two of the biggest scandals in Formula One from recent memory. Um, this came about because there's a lot of talk recently about uh Felipe Massa potentially trying to sue to get a championship stripped from Lewis Hamilton and given to him. And so we wanted to get into that, which is, you know, that's called Crashgate. And then researching that, we kind of, Dylan went down the rabbit hole into Spygate. And for me, the the biggest part about all these is we have a current Formula One hero that has kind of played a starring role right in the middle of both of these conspiracies. So yeah. <laughs> it's and like the more layers of the onion you peel back, the worse it looks for a lot yeah. of people, not just for him. So it's it is definitely the ugly side of Formula One that I think we all know kind of exists, but we all choose to suspend that reality. And then things like this come out and you're like, eh, yeah. Yeah, it's not all that surprising, <laughs> but uh, damn, it's kind of like anytime you have that much money involved in something. You know, that old adage, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Like, that's going to come about. Like, the whole deflate gate with Tom Brady and yeah. all that. I'm sure it's every... I'm sure there's not many or probably zero major sports leagues that are untouched from something like this. But when it actually comes out and you see the inner workings of it, it's kind of like the dark side, like you said, of, of Formula One. So, these yeah. are kind of interesting. So, let's uh let's go ahead and start off with, with the crash gate. Because that's the one that's kind of been brought up and is kind of more in the spotlight now. And for a quick overview of what's happening, some comments were made recently that made Felipe Massa um, want to, or at least put out a statement saying that he wanted to explore the possibility of maybe getting, or maybe taking legal action to get the 2008 World Championship overturned because um, he feels like he was cheated out of his one and only world title. Which when we get into this, you actually see he was actually world champion that year for about 29 seconds. Yeah. Before it was stripped away from him. Um, and by rumor milling that, what he actually means is he's exploring the idea of talking about suing in order to get a nice fat settlement statement to go away. Yes. <laughs> so what happened? So this one was all the way back in 2008. Um, so to to kind of get into this, there's a few key players that we need to talk about. One of which is today's Formula One hero, Fernando Alonso who at the time in 2008 was a world champion. He was Double. racing for Renault, right? He won the 05 and 06 world championship with Renault. Um, for 07, he actually decided to leave to go to McLaren and ended up tying with Lewis Hamilton on points, but Lewis Hamilton beat him in the championship. So that year, it was Fernando Alonso came in P3 at the end of the year. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was second, and Kimi Raikkonen won the championship that year. Even though him and Lewis were tied on points, the way they broke it down, he was actually third. So he was only at McLaren for one year. And then his first of many of his moves that probably didn't work out too well is he decided to go back to Renault for the 2008 season. Um, so the other key player in this one is Nelson Piquet Jr., where if you've heard that name before, his father is Nelson Piquet Sr., who is the three-time world champion back in, I believe, the 70s, 80s. Um, one of the, the greatest uh, Formula One drivers, or a lot of people say he's one of the greatest Formula One drivers. But the other reason you might know that name is because his sister is actually Max Verstappen's current girlfriend. Um, I so, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. So, 
So it's they're a Formula One family. All yeah. they're either driving race cars or riding race car drivers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So back in 2008, we're at the Singapore Grand Prix. This is the 15th of 18 races for the season. Felipe Massa was kind of the front runner and the one that was expected to win the championship at this time. Fernando Alonso really wasn't doing much. That was not a good year for Renault. Um, so at this race, he, Fernando started doing pretty well. He was actually leading the time, the leaderboards in, uh, both practice sessions. But then when it came to quality, he had mechanical issues and ended up qualifying P15 cause he got dropped in, uh, in uh, Q2. So he wasn't expected to do very well, but then the race starts. And then all of a sudden on lap 12, Fernando Alonso goes into the pits, which is looking back at it. People called it an unconventional if not highly suspicious move to come into the pits on lap 12. So he came in while being tires. in 15th place. Well, right. Exactly. So he leaves the pits two laps later, lap 14, his teammate Nelson PK jr. Winds up putting it into the wall on turn 17, which at Singapore turn 17 is kind of like off in no man's land. So where he crashed, it was kind of a hundred percent going to be a safety car. So now we have Fernando Alonso, who just came out of the pits from the back of the pack, um, last place at this point, brand new tires, all of a sudden there's a safety car, everybody, almost the entire grid uh, piles into the pits, and it was complete chaos in the pits. You had teams that were double stacking, you had cars blocking other cars, you had um, Felipe Massa trying to get out early and winding up taking off out of the pits with the fuel hose, because this is back when they would fuel cars in the pits. The fuel hose was still attached, so he got to the end of the pit lane and had to wait for his uh, mechanics to come down and take the hose off the car, so his race is shot. During all of this chaos, Fernando Alonso is just out on track, just gunning it, and winds up essentially coming up in first place. Very shortly after that, he was leading the pack and was able to hold off uh, everybody and winds up winning the race. Yep. And so later on in the season, we get to Brazil, and this is another wild race. Um, Comes down to the end of it, and you've got Felipe Massa crossing the finish line, finish line, Brazilian driver in Brazil, clinching, or what they thought he was clinching, the championship. The place explodes, goes crazy. But what they didn't realize is 29 seconds behind, you got Lewis Hamilton coming through in the rain, passing Tim Glock, or Timo Glock, at the final turn of the race, passing him, which gives him a one-point advantage. He wins the championship in 2008 by one point. And so this there's a picture um, of Lewis Hamilton and Felipe Massa shaking hands afterwards. And you could just see Felipe's face. <laughs> it's just, just like just pain, shock, <laughs> disappointment. At least he did not anger. have a handlebar mustache on. It, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same face as Danny in uh Coda last year, just without this stupid mustache. <laughs> um but anyways, so after that, we get on to the next year. Nobody really thought about it much, right? It wasn't anything that anybody thought was that suspicious. Well, mid-season, Nelson Piquet Jr. gets dropped from Renault. Mid-season, because he didn't score any points. Yo, this dude, my guy went to the FIA and snitched <laughs> within a week. Not even a <laughs> week later, he's at the FIA telling them everything. 
And then all of a sudden, it like there's people trying to cover it up then. But then he goes and tells the media. And once he told the media, then it just exploded. Um, so it, it wound up what happened was you had the managing director of uh, Reno ended up resigning. He got an indefinite ban once everything was all said and done. Indefinite ban from Florida Formula One. His name was Flavio Briatore. Then you had Pat Simmons, who's the executive director of engineering. He wound up resigning. He ended up getting a five-year ban, which got reduced because he also cooperated. He told on everybody as yep. well. Um, and then Reno as a team got a two-year disqualification, but that was suspended. So basically they said, hey, two years, you have to be on your P's and Q's, right? And so it's basically a probation for Reno. As long as yep. they didn't have any more issues in two years, everything would go away. So all that was fine. Everything's done. A couple of weeks ago, you got Bernie Ecclestone, who's the former CEO of Formula One, made a statement that him and, um, what's his name, Max Mosley, the formula or yep. the former uh, FIA leader, the knew FIA about, president during that time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He made Ecclestone made a statement that they both knew about it during that time but decided not to do anything because they wanted to protect the sport from scandal. And, you know, that way they didn't want this huge ordeal blowing up. And we're about to get into Spygate, which Mosley was a part of. So it's kind of hard to like, (laughs) he's like, we don't need it. We don't need any more scandals going on. Exactly. So you've got all these things going on at the same time. They're just trying to keep everything under wraps. Um, but since Bernie Ecclestone made those comments, then Felipe Massa was like, wait a second, I'm the one that got screwed here. Yeah. Because <laughs> by the rules, what should have happened since the FIA and Formula One knew about it, they should have canceled the results of that race. Um, and Felipe Massa basically says, if you take out the results of that race, I'm the champion of, of Formula One 2008. You know, it's one of those things where I, I feel for the guy. Everybody, you know, he he never got that championship. He had it for 29 seconds, and then it was stripped from him. But you're talking about something that happened in 2008. Also, there was still three races left. Uh, like, I could understand maybe, like we talked about, if it was the last lap of the last race, and that caused him to lose the championship, maybe then you might have a foot to stand on. But I just, I don't see this, I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see this holding any water. There's too many other variables, I think. I, I mean, yeah, the, the problem is, we talked about this last time, like, there's no single race that defines a championship. You can make the argument a little bit for 2021 Abu Dhabi, the last lap of the last race, dead tight, you know. But the, you know, the Formula One season is a... uh is a marathon. Like you need everything to come together throughout the entirety of the season. And if you're going to pick on that one, you can nitpick on other calls that were not made, you know, perfectly. Right. It, it just unravels a really big bag of worms uh, that the FIA is not going to let get unraveled. Right now. How many other people are going to start suing at this point and be like, well, this needs to be turned over. Cause this happened. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not going to happen. You can't set the precedence that that's going to work, but I bet you can get a nice fat settlement check out of it. Oh yeah. If anything else. Yeah. He'll for sure get that one. So that was Crashgate, which I don't know can really hold a candle to Spygate. No, especially (laughs) as I went down, I was telling, I texted Kurt at like six. I had already been up for an hour (laughs) with my 
Scotland Yard hat on, diving into the details of of freaking Spygate. Which when, this- when you sent when you sent me that text, all I could think of is that one meme where it's the guy from was it Always Sunny or something? He's got the cigarette in his hand and all the post it notes everywhere. Yes, <laughs> that's what I imagine you're doing. Yeah, that was exactly what I was doing. <laughs> this shit is like a soap opera that you that sounds scripted. Like you read the quotes from the presidents of or the CEOs and the president of the FIA, and you're like, "This is scripted, right? This is the most <laughs> stupid. Like you can't make this shit up. Actually, you can. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous, um, and it's hilarious. So I'll start at the beginning. All right, we're gonna go. There's a there's a couple of teams involved here by the names of McLaren, Ferrari, and Renault. All right, we're gonna set the stage. Ferrari has a uh, you know a dream team right there. This is 07. They're coming off of the Schumacher era. You know they are on top of the world. And there's one little guy, Nigel Stepney, who is no longer happy with his situation at Ferrari. He doesn't think he's moving up in the ways that he should, and he threatens that he's going to take a year off. So about a month later, Ferrari's like, "Hey man, we'll 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 uh, appoint you as head of team performance development." You know, you're not going to have to go to all the races, but you'll get your promotion and everyone should be happy. Um, okay, so he gets promoted. And then not long after he gets promoted at the uh, 2007 United States Grand Prix, Ferrari files a formal complaint against Stepney that leads to like a whole internal investigation. On uh, July 3rd, they decide to let Stepney go. On the same day, they they accuse McLaren's Mike Coughlin of stealing things from Ferrari from the factory to get inside information on the Ferrari's car, um, and that he had given it to, or that Michael, or I'm sorry, that Stepney had given it to Mike Coughlin over at McLaren. The funny thing is, is how uh, Coughlin got found out. It was actually Coughlin's wife went down to the local. Office Max and was making copies of the 780 pages of documents that they have. <laughs> the employee that worked at Office Max or whatever it was called was one of the Tifosi. He oh. called Ferrari headquarters and said, I got somebody here with 780 pages of confidential Ferrari information. And that is how they got caught. <laughs> you got to be careful. You can't be letting it slip like that. Yeah, what are the odds in in uh, London that you, you got a Ferrari fan you're working against right Jeez. there? So uh, Ferrari threatens to sue uh, McLaren, right? And uh, so McLaren hangs Coughlin out to dry. So McLaren lets Coughlin go immediately, and they say, quote, no Ferrari materials or data are or have ever been in the position of in possession of any McLaren employee other than the individual sued by Ferrari. The fact that he held it at his home unsolicited, the fact that he held at his home unsolicited materials from Ferrari was not known to any other member of the team prior to July 3rd, end quote. Okay. So that's McLaren's official statement to the FIA. Um, then like a little bit later, McLaren also throws Reynolds under the bus saying Reynolds, uh, stealing shit from us, right? Just total sidebar. They, they throw <laughs> Reynolds under the bus. So July 4th, 
Um, McLaren announces that it has conducted its own inside investigation and that, quote, no Ferrari intellectual property has been passed to any other members of the team or incorporated into our cars, end quote. And then they invited the FIA to come take a look at their car to prove (laughs) they hadn't stolen anything. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. We are all totally kosher. So the FIA came, took a look at it and said, okay. At the first hearing, they're like, you know, McLaren did break the rules. They, you know, one of their employees stole some paperwork, but it doesn't look like anything is in, you know, they're not using any of the intellectual properties. So we're not fining them or, you know, penalizing them in any way, but we hold the right to reconvene if further evidence comes out. Okay. So then we get, um, so Ron Dennis now, CEO of McLaren, writes an open letter accusing Ferrari of having a illegal device underneath the floor of their car, which they know about due to the papers that they had supposedly not seen or had in their possession at any time. And they <laughs> say that Ferrari is trying to skew the whistleblower by saying Coughlin was a liar and blah, 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 and that Coughlin is actually a whistleblower saying that Ferrari is cheating and there's an illegal floor device. And so now uh, the FIA says they're going to reopen this this uh, interview. Wait, so McLaren guy, Ron Dennis, the guy who previously said that nobody other than this Coughlin guy has seen any of this information, now comes out and says, wait a second, Ferrari's got illegal devices on their car. And I know this because I've seen this information. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> okay, that is just exactly to get right. that straight. And so <laughs> this this brings us up to the 2007 Hungarian Grand Prix, and this is the beginning of the end, and the wheels are coming off. Lewis Hamilton disobeys team instructions during qualification, which disadvantages Fernando Alonso. So what does Alonso do on the final outing? Of Q3, he stops at the end of the pit lane and holds Lewis up so he cannot set a final lap time. I remember that. (laughs) So now we got some beef, right? Um, So afterwards, there's on camera Ron Dennis angrily like yelling at Alonzo's trainer to talk to him, blah, blah, blah. The morning of the race, Alonzo goes to Ron Dennis, McLaren CEO's motorhome, and allegedly, allegedly, okay, Threatens to send email exchanges for between himself and the McLaren test driver, Pedro de la Rosa and Coughlin to the FIA. Yeah. So I'm guessing these email exchanges do not look very good for McLaren. <laughs> I'm guessing not, but it gets better. Ron Dennis, McLaren CEO, goes to Max Mosley, the FIA president. And says the threat was an empty one and quote, there's no information. There's nothing to come out. I can assure you that if there was something, Max, I would have told you, end quote. Oh, this Ron Dennis guy. Yeah, it's, it's getting bad. <laughs> it's getting good at this point. So uh, September 5th comes around. FIA says we've heard about this new evidence regarding the case and we're reopening the investigation. And uh, it tra- turns out that the FIA got a whole bunch of emails detailing some cheating going on. 
on somebody's car. So the FIA goes to the three McLaren drivers, Alonzo, Hamilton, and De La Rosa, and says, comply, tell us all the information, and we'll offer you guys full immunity on everything. And so they did. All three of them snitched to high heaven. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like these people, they didn't have first 48 back then. So that's the one, like, in that show when people get arrested and they always immediately start talking. It's like, just don't say anything. Just yeah. keep your mouth shut. Just just keep your mouth shut. But no, somehow it said that a driver sent a whole bunch of emails to the FIA, which gave them all the evidence they needed. And then they offered full immunity to three drivers. So on September 13th, the FIA had a uh, hearing imposed a penalty for illicitly collecting and holding information from Ferrari to confer a dishonest and fraudulent sporting advantage upon McLaren. They were then fined a hundred million dollars. Um, less the TV and travel income lost as a result of the points deduction. It says, so I don't really know what that is. It says that McLaren ended up paying like 31 million. So not the whole hundred, but wow. Um, and in 2008, all McLaren team point constructors points would be completely disqualified. McLaren cannot earn any points, but the drivers can compete for the driver's championship. Huh? So all those points that Fernando and Lewis started racking up, didn't go to McLaren in any way, shape or form. They're dead last in the constructors. They, uh, so during this time, McLaren started bitching that Renault was cheating too. And they investigated Renault and they're like, they are cheating, but their car sucks. So, (laughs) <laughs> not really going to do anything. Um, so the best, my favorite part of this whole thing is that um, in December, you, you said his name earlier, Martin Whitmarsh, McLaren issued a press conference detailing a letter sent by M- Martin Whitmarsh, who was the, at the time the CEO, COO of the team. Mm-hmm. And, and this says in the letter, Whitmarsh stated that the team accepted that, quote, a number of McLaren employees, end quote, had access to Ferrari technical information and apologized that it took intervention of the FIA for this to come to light. The team also <laughs> offered to, quote, enter into a, dis- a discussion as to a moratorium of an appropriate length in respect of the use of those systems that they stole, end quote. Wow. Um, <laughs> So then what ended up playing out? All of that, the final McLaren, and then the McLaren employees um, that got fired, which was Mike Coughlin, who had to pay $180,000 fine on top of that, and then three other employees who had to pay $150,000 on top. So that is Spygate in a nutshell. (laughs) I know we go back and forth a lot, and there's a lot of names in this, but essentially McLaren stole from Stepney at Ferrari said they had no idea what was going on. It sounds like allegedly Alonzo said bullshit, didn't like team orders and emailed the <laughs> FIA all the evidence they needed to fuck McLaren over. <laughs> uh, which makes sense when you look at the Crashgate scandal, when you look at Fernando Alonso's record, how he was at Renault Renault left to go to McLaren was there for one year and then went back to Renault because obviously he had burned every bridge at McLaren. Like He just threw gasoline, lit that shit on fire, and just had to get out of there. And yeah, that, that's <laughs> it's funny that he is kind of at the center of both of these scandals. They and, are. And he's he's gotten away both times. Like uh, the Nelson PK Jr. and Crashgate, uh, when he went and started snitching on everybody, 
the one thing he didn't snitch on was Fernando. He never came out and said that Fernando knew about him being asked to crash. Um, he also he did say that Fernando, as a as a an experienced driver, should have questioned him coming into the pits so early. But he didn't come out and say that he did anything. And Fernando is cleared of any wrongdoing in that one. Seems like in in I feel like Nelson PK was like in the principal's office and he was snitching, and then he looked out in the mirror and there was a or looked out the window and there was Alonzo staring yeah. at him, like holding up a knife or something. He was like, "But Alonzo's totally cool. He didn't do anything. Alonzo's cool. He, he didn't do it." <laughs> That's funny, man. Oh man, I hope that one day when Fernando finally does fully retire, he writes a book on tell all. Oh my God! He's it's obviously be got no issues with issues with telling. So not, not at all. It was a good move on the FIA to offer the drivers immunity. Be like, hey yo, just just snitch away, yeah, and uh, we'll be cool. Um, you know, but I think this like so one of the things I didn't get into it because it's kind of to the side. But Mc, so McLaren complaining about Reynolds, then an employee Philip Macareff who was a former employee of McLaren who left and went to Reynolds, and they're accusing him of taking uh, intellectual rights with him that Reynolds was using. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, if you fire an employee, it's like, it's like Adrian Newey's protege going to Aston Martin. It's not like you can make him sign a, you don't know any of the knowledge you've learned over the last 30 years to take with you to to Aston Martin to use against us. Right. Like it's sure. I'm, I'm sure he's not allowed to take any documentation, but if you understand the principles and the cut, like it, it yeah. I've always wondered that if you fire a technical director and he gets picked up by another team, does that team take him into a dark room, put a spotlight on his face and be like, tell us everything that you know about Ferrari <laughs> or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. I'm sure this shit happens all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it does. Even now, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes on, even with like actual documents being taken with how everything's electronic now. Like, you know yeah. how easy it is to put something on a flash drive and just, you know, sneak it out. I'm sure it happens. And I think that with today's technology and cameras and, and you know, and analysis data, everyone pretty much knows how everyone else's cars work for the most part. As soon as they, you know, get in their first crash and lift that thing up on a crane, there's a crew of cameraman taking cameramen taking pictures of the floor mm -hmm. and you know so it, it's i could see there being greater issues around like fuel chemical composition for the engines and stuff like you know but it, it's i don't know it's an interesting it's really just a bad round of people snitching on each other mm -hmm. and mclaren got it you know <laughs> Everyone at Ferrari just shut their mouth and was like and towed the party line, and uh, they didn't get in any trouble. Same thing with Reynolds. Reynolds was like, I don't, I don't know. McLaren the, was the dumb ones that were like, we know absolutely nothing about it. And we never saw any of the paperwork. <laughs> By the way, according to some other random paperwork, we think Ferrari's cheating. But we we definitely don't know for sure. We didn't see it in this paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> that was other paperwork <laughs> that we legally acquired. Totally. That's funny. You know, when you talk about, you know, all the cameramen around taking pictures, it reminds me of, you remember the McLaren third brake pedal? So in the no. late, in the late nineties, I think it was like 97 or something like that. McLaren uh, came out with this revolutionary design that allowed him to go from being, you know, underperforming to winning races left and right. 
And so what they were doing is basically using a third brake pedal within the car. And if, if I remember the story correctly, it's been a while since I've read it. Um, but they were able to brake the inside rear tire during a turn, which helped them, you know, pull the front end around. Almost like if you think of how a tank moves, how it slows yeah. down the, the left side track or the inside track. And they were able to do that, and which would pull the car around the turn a lot better. And they went from, again, underperforming to like winning races left and right. And nobody could figure out what was going on, how how McLaren was able to do this. And then somebody, I, f- I think it was like one of the mechanics or somebody let out a rumor about a third brake pedal. So then it became like this quiet secret. And this uh, these reporters were like on a manhunt because the, yeah. the McLaren, they overheard this. So these two reporters like on a manhunt for this. Well, just so happens one of them or two of the McLarens actually crashed in the same race, roughly around the same time. One of the drivers, when he crashed, at, I think it was at the end of the pit lane, he hit another car. When he got out, he didn't put the steering wheel back on. He just left it on the top of the car. So the reporter was able to go up, slide the camera in, snap a picture. Didn't know what he was taking pictures of. He just put the camera in, started taking pictures, went back, developed the film, and saw the third brake pedal. There was and legitimately Google- a third brake pedal. Yeah, you can Google it and see it. It's pretty cool. You can see his actual pictures. And then so... You know, everything came out. Other teams had already started trying to develop systems around that. And the McLaren, there's a documentary I saw. The McLaren uh, engineer that came up with it was like, yeah, all these other teams tried to do it, but they're thinking way too hard. They were coming up with these elaborate systems to make it work. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all it was was another master cylinder. And it was like the most simplest thing. He, he said he thought of it in the bathtub one day. <laughs> and uh, so, but then long story short, what ended up happening is the FIA or Formula One wound up banning it, I think in 1998. So it's kind of so. like the DOS system that Mercedes yeah. used. Yeah. It's like you have this revolutionary design. Other teams want it, but they can't figure it out. So they go and they protest it. And then it either gets approved or denied. And, you know, it, it helped them win a bunch of races and a championship, but now it's gone. I remember the drive to survive when the DOS system came out, um, which was the, which is the one where Mercedes had where they could push the steering wheel in and out to control the toe in on the t- on the front tires, and um, it showed Christian Horner going up to Toto Wolf being like, "Well played, you know we're going to protest it and, and appeal this <laughs> to, though, but well played." And Toto was like, yep. "Yeah, we know," but and the FIA came out and they were like, "Well played." You're right. You completely fall within the rules. You came up with something clever. It's yours for the season. Can't do it again, though. They got it for the whole season. And I remember that they found out about it in testing. I remember in in Spain that year, you keep seeing the videos. They're like, what is this? What's Mercedes doing? It shows like all the pit walls where everyone was like, what in the world? is?" It's like, did he just push the steering wheel in? But then, I mean, they were obviously dominant that year, so yeah. I don't know how much, um, how much Not effect that had on it. Of difference. Yeah. That was back when Mercedes was clear of the pack by thirty seconds every race. Yeah, you think Max is clear of the pack now? Like two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty, <laughs> Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, it's like all Lewis's reports are like this is the fastest car I've ever seen. It's like, well, you've got short term memory, sir. <laughs> you clearly, you're don't remember used how to you getting were. passed. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. far out in front. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it is interesting that Alonzo is kind of at the heart of all this. I, my, our intention here, I will say, is not really to cast any shade. It's more just the entertaining, like we said, the dark side of Formula One. I think this stuff happens all the time. 
Maybe not yeah. Crashgate. Maybe not Crashgate. <laughs> and I think that there's so much more technology today for people to listen in on radios. It'd be really hard to pass a message to get someone to crash. And also, I think you're going to have to have a very specific number two driver that's willing to crash to do that. Like... Most of these drivers are, you know, individualistic enough to be like, why would I know? Yeah. Like, um, but I think that Spygate and the like passing of intellectual properties back and forth happens all the time, oh, legally, yeah. illegally, in general, all the time. Yep. Like. You've, you've always got somebody who's disgruntled on your team or a little too close with somebody on another team. I don't know. Just maybe they get drunk one night and let something slip or just intentionally just going and passing stuff off. Or it's someone's like, Hey, uh, Mr. Red Bull employee that helped put together the floor design. Here's a hundred thousand dollars under the table. If you slip me some pictures, yeah. like <laughs> guarantee that shit's happening all the time. Yep. Um, and I mean, look at, let's look at Ferrari. What was it in 2019 when they had the engine that was so powerful that got, went under investigation that had a closed sealed ruling, but they weren't allowed to use that yeah. engine design anymore, but it was never released what it was. And it was like, well, that's what happens when one of the teams owns one third of the Formula One. Like, like we're, not, we're not saying they did anything illegal, just they can't use this again. And yeah. we can't tell you what we found. Yeah, it's like, and now yeah, they're going to be complete dog shit for the next <laughs> two years. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it's just kind of some entertaining stories, I think, and it's funny that the centerpiece of both of them is Fernando Alonso, <laughs> uh, who yes, still sir. blew well, my mind when I was reading all of this. I know that that Fernando's been in racing for twenty years in Formula One. But it is so weird when I look at it and they say, you know, Fernando Alonso, who came into the into F1 in 2001. I'm like, holy mm -hmm. shit, 2001? Yes. Like, Did you see the pictures? He was a baby. <laughs> he baby was a Alonso. baby with that hairdo and the two chicks on his arms that he's shorter than both <laughs> of them. <laughs> oh, man. That man but, has spent his entire adult life in Formula One. He has gone through V10s, V8s, and the V6 Turbo Hybrid era. Yep. He's been in Formula One longer than probably than some of our, some of our listeners have been alive. Yeah, that's not good. It's there. a good chance. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, 2007, all this shit goes on. Kimi Raikkonen is your driver's champion by one point. Yay! <laughs> Kimi got his championship. Which he deserved. Yep. Um, well... That was awesome, man. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I I hope that there's some actual current more Formula One or more current Formula One news coming out soon. We are now, I believe, two and a half weeks into our break. Yeah. So a couple two, weeks away from the we next got race. This weekend and then the weekend after we're, we've got racing. This is our last weekend without racing. I believe so. Yep. We are 17 days away. And then we go to like double, triple header central like that's always fun but that gets you spoiled too because then you have yeah. a break and you're like what do you mean i gotta wait another week yeah it totally does i'm excited so everybody if you like what you heard uh if you disagree with it or agree with it or maybe even if you uh have some other scandals that you want us to cover that we're not tracking uh you can email us info at formulaamerica.us there we go. Hey, and make sure you go and give us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. 
And until next time, my friends, on that note, stay classy, America. See you next time.